You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And being in Boston wasn't easy because there was no record companies in Boston. It was New York or L.A., period. That was it. Even more so L.A. And um, how the fuck do we get their attention? How do we get them to come see us? How do we get discovered? And those bands were putting out records and stuff, the same bands in the building. And I was like, are we talented enough? Are we, do we have the arrangements? Do we have the songs? These guys are writing hooks. You know, they're, they're fucking, they're older, they're, we're like 19 and 20. And I remember that what you just said really fucking like threw me back because I remember that's where I learned. It wasn't just that. It was the want. It was how fucking bad you want it. And you know how I knew that there was a chance and why it felt right that we were going to surpass all these fucking bands in this place that might be better than us better songs, more fucking seasoned, is because at 10 a.m. when I woke up there on a road case, sleeping there with rats and everything fucking walking around, and I plugged in my guitar, I got up, and I walked down the hall, I didn't hear a fucking thing. I heard silence. Meaning what? Meaning that I was the only one sleeping on the fucking cases. I was the only one. I'm almost crying. Fuck, I'm fucking tearing up, man. This is insane. I've never talked about that. That was an amazing story. Wow. Keep going. I'm fucking tearing up, man. Holy shit. What am I, fucking Oprah? Who are you, Oprah? <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? Hello, and welcome to the craziest episode of 2020 that you're going to see for a very long time. Uh, Subscribe. I, I don't even, uh, I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> We're talking to Nuno fuck, fucking Betancourt. And uh, I got hit by a car because of this because I knew that hell had frozen over. <laughs> yeah, so we're all pretty wired. It's a late night recording episode, so you know, so many great stories. Subscribe, really connected. So definitely subscribe at two zero two. And as always, yeah, as always, subscribe to a lot of things. We didn't stop. We just went. So this episode is going to end about halfway through. That'll be part one. Like the you wine. Want to miss part one or part two? This is this is the greatest. This is the greatest. So stay tuned. <laughs> Nuno forever. Nuno forever. Part one right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've been 2020 because today hell hath frozen over. We are here with what I believe to be the goat and we're in Boston, Massachusetts and it's not Tom Brady. He's actually from the same island in the Azores as my fiance, and plays guitar like nobody's business. And Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady the whole time. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. I'm going to take out my, my I oh, personally, I got to go show, with the my, show my, my Bruce Jenner. Wow. <laughs> my you, Bruce you Jenner. Win, but you don't win, but just for you bringing that up, your show is now fucking canceled. Hope you, yeah. <laughs> hope you fucking enjoy that because if you do anything. nice run. If you do anything in the country we live in, which is the USSR that we live in these days, 
You are fucking canceled. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nuno Betancourt, who ha- who's canceled us. He just canceled us. You heard it. You heard it here first on 2020. We got 2020. Should I wear fucking headphones? Or can I swear on this fucking thing first of all? Oh yeah. You can- oh no, absolutely. No fucking swearing. No fucking swearing. I think this was the most epic entrance of any guest that we've had. We just jumped right in. Didn't even get through the introduction. It's just, we just went right off. I know. We just started playing with dolls within the first 10 (laughs) seconds. You were were just with the pussycat dolls. It made us wait. And I'm texting them like, should I I loosen up my buttons? Because I'm like eating all this fat kid food here. And like, meanwhile, Nicole and Nuno are making sweet, sweet music in whatever, wherever you are. No, I'm I'm excited. We're working on something really special. And uh, it's, uh, I can't wait. It's, it's really interesting. Hence why she would even talk to me. It has to be outside the box or whatever it's supposed to be. But yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand why she talked to you because Janet Jackson talked to you about Black Cat. And then Rihanna was like, hey, there's this guy with really nice hair that I should probably take out on like every toy I've ever done. Wasn't these? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I heard you're pretty good at the football. <laughs> I mean, you seem to like to be behind the strong women with the, the strong Listen, hair. I. Once again, for the fear of being canceled, I am a woman trapped in a man's body. Always have been. I always relate to women really well. And I love women. And, you know, I think they're the most beautiful creatures in the world. Oh, thank you. As the woman on the show here. <laughs> and, uh, no, why is that? Why won't any guys work with me? What the fuck? You just gave me a fucking complex, man. Thank you so much. You just mentioned. Well, I mean, technically. Nicole, Rihanna, you know, Janet. Well, but uh, Tony Braxton was a good one, but Jonas- was Michael. Why couldn't I have been working with Michael? Fucking Slash, fucking Eddie, the GOAT? What do you mean the GOAT? What you worked with the Jonas brother. That's pretty big. <laughs> all right, all right. That's big. That's that's one. one and just so you know, I think the Jonas brothers are fucking amazing. Like, uh, honestly, those dudes not only can sing, but like, uh, what was that song? Jealous that came out? That I, all day long, I'm in the bathroom. Da-da-da, feel so jealous. Why are you in the bathroom all day long? Because that's right. actually where I met the I was, Jonas Brothers. Was it was in thinking, the bathroom yeah. in, in in that place in L.A. You go to like the Beverly Hills. You have to be invited. Oh, that place. I thought you were going to say you were in the bathroom. Like I used to be. Like you, you have a National Geographic with the the the, the tribe edition where the, the <laughs> do you do the foot do you do the foot thing underneath the stall and that's where you catch your flight. <laughs> we're gonna leave that one alone. We're gonna get you canceled. Siobhan, how drunk are you? I, I don't even know at this point. I'm just very excited that we're all here. I'm drinking about? red wine. I, I'm, for I'm you. You're like drinking red wine in like a in like a in like a coconut. It, it's uh it's my glass. like opaque glass so that it, I can maybe get away with saying I'm not drinking wine, but it's pretty obvious that I'm That's drinking cool. wine. So right. <laughs> you said it out loud. So. I like it. I, I would I would have a little bit of wine if I didn't have to just run in here and she ran down the stairs and I had to run in here. And, you, and, you, we'll we'll let you go get to, your wine. Go, go get, get your wine. wine. We've waited long enough. Go you get it. You just have to promise right, to come back. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll give you seven seconds. You don't have to twist my arm, Should I go get another bottle? Yeah. Like yes. yes go get we're doing bottle. this. We're, go, we're going deep, second, bro. I'm going to start bottle. smoking. I don't even care if it's okay. <sighs> I really wish I could have a scotch. <laughs> I think it's good that one of us is the is is the is the driver of this yeah. conversation because <laughs> you have to be the so, the the, the sober the Brought sober to you driver of bipolar seltzer water. Please sponsor me. There was a liquor store down the corner, <laughs> and that's how quickly you went. <laughs> no, what he did is he actually nice. called Paul Geary and he's like, "Hey, man, Paul, do you know oh, anybody near my street? <laughs> you know, yeah, but you know, he knows someone on your street. No, absolutely. <laughs> actually, the house next door." 
uh, I didn't know this for a long time, but there's a house next door uh, to me, beautiful house. And uh, I, that was Matt Sorum's old place. Apparently, when I found out he used to live there during the gun period, he told me he had to move because he almost died in there three or four times, like we all have uh, died like three or four times. But uh, so, How do you uh, almost die three or four times? What's the story behind that? Or is that like- Oh, you didn't know you could do that? Like what? Like actually die or almost yeah, die? Absolutely. I guess you could. Yeah, a near death experience or actual. Yeah. Death that was experience. the name of his band for a while, so you know near yeah. death experience. So is that and why? Me, I think I think that is the only one that's ever mentioned that to me in my entire life. That the well, on the, popula- on the population of one that knows near death <laughs> experience. Uh, what are you smoking there, bro? That this is this is the dabs. This is like the this is the um my the God, hardcore it's a new contraption stuff. every time. I got this yeah. really ugly, like, red. how do you get that really beautiful <laughs> sunlight, creamy sunlight that you guys are working over there? Like, why, why do I get the real harsh? Do I look all right? I don't know. You look great. You have not oh, aged. Actually, we were talking do you about want to know this. How, listen, you know. You look absolutely so beautiful. By the way, oh. don't worry. Between me and Benny, nobody else is going to get a fucking word in this fucking interview. You know that. <laughs> okay, right? That's right, how the right. show kind of works. Oh, it's yeah, always like that. And then you add me into it. And it's like, I don't shut up. Either, so we're, both, we're all fucked. <laughs> this this was given to me by our mutual friend Paul Geary from a very early time and if you look Nuno looks exactly the wait, same wait, look look at this it's from Modern Drummer Magazine what's the hair I mean you My, really like, do look I the same I strategically placed the hair oh, oh, all this way sorry there it is yes look at him look at him we have, we have to do like the split screen like the, the 75 year challenge listen he did it dying three times vampirical thing that I got going on I'll, I'll let you guys in on it but I can't tell the whole world about it, but you guys for sure are. Off. Well, there's so only seven no people one, watching. Yeah, no one listens or watches this show. So, you're good. <laughs> so I'm just here with you. I'm, like, I'm, with you I'm at Toast. Shabbat Toast. Come on, let's go. I don't no, know I, I've actually got two bottles. I'm trying to in see case what's I square, square you on. <laughs> I learned about drinking wine from the bottle from, uh, from Perry Farrell, from touring with him. I... He was just like, you want some wine? And I thought he was important. No, here's a fucking bottle. And we just would just walk around with bottles. Was, was that what you guys decided that you're going to like produce a record? Or was that like before Lollapalooza in 2015 when I saw you in Chicago and you just came out and played the show with him? That was uh, definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible talking about these stories because it feels like you're just dropping names. We were actually met. We got introduced by, uh, we were at Tom Morello's house. Tom used to have these, I don't know, well, this is uh, BC before COVID, right? Back in the fucking, you know, in 2019 BC, where, uh, where he used to throw these great little parties and he had this connected to his house. It was like this thing where people are supposed to be jamming and it's a bedroom. He, re- he replicated his bedroom from when he was a kid. And so nobody can really fit in it. And he's got amps and he used to jam and everybody's just in the hallway watching. And, and uh, you know, he d- do Halloween parties and all sorts of stuff. And then he introduced me to me and Perry at this party and we kind of hooked up the next couple of days and we rode a little bit, jammed a bit. And yeah, we put, we did satellite party together. Did he come up to you and ask you if you were like dressed as Dave Navarro? No, I, he asked, would you, are you okay with performing live with me and putting a dildo up your ass while you're doing a guitar? That's, and that's, you I saw. You know what? He, 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 I finally get Benny to shut up. You fucking believe it? I got him to shut up for a second. He just laughing. But no, the point being, no, the point being is that I say this because when me and Tom were sharing stories about, he said the first time he saw James, he said that that was part of Dave's guitar solo. Which Dave's a friend of mine who I love dearly. 
And it's impressive that you can actually do that. You're about, you Mon- open monster your jaw, player. Your jaw is open. Like, <laughs> I'm just me? like, eh. <laughs> yeah, that shit happens. Jane's Addiction shows, man. You got to, this shit that goes on till this day, there's stuff going on on that stage. There's, I, we, uh, who was it? Uh, Extreme did a gig with them in Europe not so long ago, like a few years back. And uh, they went on right after us. And while I was on the side of the stage watching, a, a couple of girls come behind me on both sides of the stage. I'm like, oh, wow, the dancers are going to go up and do some BVs. Bullshit. These fucking cranes came down and they hooked them. Yeah, I, I, we just played a festival with them. And that was yeah. I saw that. I saw exactly what you're talking about. They're Hooked literally right in front of in, the back of their fucking skin. Into the skin. The and skin, they pull and them And they swing them all everywhere. Like, I was like, just watch this going like, wow. Yeah. Holy shit, I'm in it the wrong fucking business. Like, I should be show. All I those, did not all those hours that. of practice for what? Like, for what? Yeah, all you need to do is hook yourself and swing. A, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, I didn't know people could do that stuff. It was amazing. I mean, I know, you know, piercings and pain and all that. This is Hot. hanging, swinging from cables and skin is just being fucking oh, my yanked. God. It's, it's yeah, like it's Dee great. Snyder in that movie, Strangeland. Remember that movie? I uh, see. No. I stop with all that stuff, like the autoerotic asphyxiation after watching Rising Sun and listening to NXS too much. Right, yeah. Rip Michael Hutchins, by the way. I got it. If, 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 no, I'm just know, saying, where, if he was here, like I'm sure he'd have plenty to say about it. He'd probably hold yeah, signs. Look, look. It's a sad thing what happened to Michael because we don't know exactly what that was. But uh, no, the true story. You know that he, he had he had he, he had no taste left by the time he died. He he got into a fight. Imagine this happening to you. Got into a fight. Uh, I think it was in, in Sydney. Uh, he was at a coming out of a club. Everybody's drinking, of course, and he said something to somebody. Some big dude walking by, or somebody said something to him. Pushed him. Just pushed him. Fell back. Hit the back of his head on the curb really hard and lost his sense of taste. Imagine that fucking torture. Jesus. The only other thing worse than that is maybe losing your penis. That's about it. That's like <laughs> taste and penis gone. You're, <laughs> you're fucked. Or actually you're yeah. not fucked because you, that wouldn't happen, but you're, you're screwed. You, you, you can't screw me. Never mind. Let's, are we going to Are we talking? Is this thing yeah. starting right. <laughs> Okay. Well, then I, I guess I can jump in here as the, the, the person that's the non-guitar player totally out of this box. But, uh, yes. you know, you're obviously a superstar. But I'm the one in this podcast that likes to ask questions about people's background. So for the people that may not know who you are or want to hear about your background. Which is definitely t- possible. Which is definitely possible. <laughs> but, you know, obviously we know how amaz- amazing you are. Um, can you talk about how you got into music, what it is about guitar, how you became, I mean, you have like an insane sound and talent and an amazing voice. And I'm always curious to hear how people form that, you know, what their influences were, how they grew into their instrument. I mean, look, that's, that's a big question, right? That's sure. like, a, this is your life type of question where it, 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 I, I could probably talk about that for an hour, which we don't want to do. So, I mean, the condensed version, so many, so many things happen to you along the way. You know, and it's not just the National Geographic in the bathroom. That's really important. But it's the, you know, I grew up, I'm the youngest of 10 kids. And it's not just the youngest of 10 kids. Youngest of 10 kids that all fucking played. Everybody played bass, instruments, multiple instruments. My dad played like fucking 12 instruments, clarinet and violin and all sorts of shit. He was a complete asshole, but he never taught me anything, but he played them anyways, regardless. But he, uh, he, you know, it, when you grow up you, and you're the youngest and you're just walking into every room, there's like a, you know, 
like I said, back in the 1900s when we fucking moved uh, from Portugal to to Massachusetts to Hudson, Mass. I remember you walk into your living room was like, all right, there's a, there's a keyboard there. It's a Farfiz organ, or then there's a, a drum kit in the corner. You know, you had no choice but to just like it, it was the Nintendo of, of yeah. what everybody did later, right? You just jump on a kit, you pick up a bass, you you play. Christmases are like the whole Beatles catalog, literally. That's we were the only fucked up family. We didn't sing Christmas songs. We sang Beatles songs at Christmas. It was just like a Beatles jam. And that's, that was the Bible. The Bible. Wait, did you do the Beatles songs that were only available on the Beatles Christmas records? Because that would be fucking awesome. Because you know, the Beatles had Beatles Christmas only if you're part of the Beatles club. So that would be awesome. I, I'm not part of the Beatles club and I didn't know that they had that. I have no idea. I've never heard of Beatles Christmas song. Myself. There wasn't Father Betancourt. Oh, he didn't teach you anything. So, well, you so you know, they sent they sent out if you were a fan of the Beatles in like the sixties, they would send you actually personally signed. They weren't signed by them. They were signed by their people that were in the office. But of course, of course, of them. course. Yeah, yeah, and they would send, and they did special songs. So if you ever get to like DJ on XM Radio, that's I what wish you I'd known that we would have done Beatles Christmas stuff. But instead, you know, their catalog, the book was like it was two volumes, right? And we would just sit there and just like you know read the chords, play them. I mean, my brothers, my my friend, brother, they, they were all. It started there with them. My brother Robert, Louis, you know George, you know all of them. The Paul, they they all played uh, in the Azores. You know, even before I was born, they played in these bands and mop tops. They played for there was an American bass there. So they used, to, they used to play at the American bass and play American music, even though they were Portuguese. And then it continued when we moved to the States. So like music, it's interesting. Music wasn't something you discovered in my, like you weren't like a kid in, in a normal family. And then all of a sudden you saw Ozzy and you're like, I want or Aerosmith. You're like, I'm, I'm going to, that's it. It was kind of like part of regular life. You know yeah. what I mean? And then the normal stuff was odd. Were your parents yeah. also, I mean, you said your dad was a musician, but was my like, dad what? was my mom as well. My mom sang, my mom sang as well. And, my grandmother used to sing in the islands where from, you know, it goes as far back as silent movies. My mom, I'm sorry, my grandmother used to play piano and sing at these silent movies and write original scores for these silent movies. It was insane. We, we just recently, just recently, my brother found something in one of the islands that they had from her original handwritten scores and stuff that she did from like the 1930s and 40s. It's, it's insane. So music is there. It's just automatic. And I think that's why when you say, it's like, I, that's why I always had a hard time looking at myself as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I always like, I just play, like I played drums way more drums before I played guitar, played bass way more before I played guitar, piano as well. It was just around, you just, just like this, you go, then you'd watch, you know, fucking Bugs for a while, you know, Saturday morning cartoon, then you go back and you play some more piano. Now, it, it, I wasn't getting any lessons. Nobody was fucking teaching us shit. We just did it. You just did it. And and you were in, my brothers were in bands. You show up, you jump up on stage, you play a song. You played weddings, you did everything. You played Portuguese clubs were a big thing, you know, still are. But like then it was like bands that would play all these festive feasts and stuff like that. So you learn, you go to a university that you go into, you're the youngest of the kids, you walk into one room, you hear the Beatles, Bee Gees. You go into the next room because of the age gaps and generation, then you're hearing like Hendrix. Then one day you walk in and you hear fucking Van Halen. In 1978 and then that changes and fucks your whole life up and rocks your world and you're like oh what the fuck is going on there you know but it was zeppelin it was that it was queen obviously but it was like my brothers and sisters were the library i didn't i never bought a fucking record in my entire life i never paid for one fucking thing in my i'm sorry i paid for one 145 i bought anybody want to take a guess see how close you can get we're talking Got another thing coming by uh by judas priest 
Okay, anybody else? I really wouldn't even. I will give you my main guitar if you guess this. Like my four end, the only one that I play. Oh man, I should have actually tried this. Ben is really hoping for that. I'll give you another shot. Go ahead. Can we have any hint, any hint whatsoever? Um, I'll give you one clue. Uh, it could be reminiscent of the singer in my band. Which band? Gary Sharon? Sure, you might only have one fucking band. Come on. <laughs> uh, That's the shit. You know what I'm talking about. Ben, I feel like you're the resident. Mu- yeah, music historian. Uh, no. I, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's the guess. Boston, what song? Long time foreplay. All right. I'm just going to tell you because you guys know yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going to just. It yeah. was Cars by oh. Gary. Oh. Here in my car. I was in love with that riff and the vocal and the groove. And I don't know why. That's the only thing I ever walked into a store and bought a 45 and I went Probably because I was broke and we were poor on welfare, but that's a whole other story. But but the 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 yeah, that's the only the library was my brothers and sisters and bands. I grew up everything, everything I've ever learned was from their library, their bedrooms, shit. I'd wait till they fucking leave. Goes I I can't tell you how many days I did school just to listen to music and go through shit and listen to shit and hide. I used to hide in my basement every time I was in school. I broke a record one day. I think I missed 72 days of one fucking year of school. Just in my basement. <laughs> listening to. I'm not kidding. And back then, you know, it wasn't like my mother didn't speak English, never fucking picked up the phone really, but he went and they used to have that truant officer. They used to get in a fucking car, like fucking, yeah. like, like fucking Ferris Bueller's fucking day off. They used to go look for you. They get into a car, a woman. I remember her till this day. My sister told me she just passed away like two weeks ago. This woman made, I made, I gave her a career of looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, oh, I was I was always in the same place in my fucking basement, listening to fucking music and playing guitar and shit. And the funny thing is, is like she never worked that out. Never came to my basement, and then somehow I still fucking they passed me. How is God bless the fucking public school system? Seventy two days, you break a record, they like get him the fuck out of here. Like, right. <laughs> Welcome to Hudson, Massachusetts. Yeah, ladies yeah. And gentlemen. High end education in Hudson, Massachusetts. Well, you're right next to Wista. I mean, we all know how it is in Wista. Wista, I'm from Wista, and the thing that's really upsetting is because I actually, and, and I'm, I'm not, not to touch on it, but I had, I, I I'm a scholar, as you know. Are you from Worcester? I'm really from mm-hmm. Worcester, so I, I had said like to Nuno by a text message, like, yeah, like guys in Hanson. I don't go to Hanson. I've never been to Hanson. I don't think other than to fly somewhere from like an air base. Other than that, I've never been to Hanson. I've been to Hudson a million times. I've been drunk in Hudson. It's a little fucking right there. Like right off 495, right near 290. I fucking Why know that fuck place. Why did you go to Hudson to get drunk? I'm confused. Because my buddy Ben Barry lived there and I worked at Best Buy in Marlboro. I'm a loser, Nuno. Oh, I'm a loser. At Best Buy Marlboro. I get it. Yeah, dude, I opened that familiar. store. I thought I saw you outside my house a couple of Yeah, I, I, think I, tr- I, think, I think I tried to install some speakers, and you're like, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. I'm with the fucking you don't know what you're squad. doing. geek squads here. Like, I, can't I was before that. I was the genius before the genius, man. Not to go back, but what, it's, for what reason did your family move to, um, to the U.S. or to Massachusetts? Is, is That's that- a great question, because we lived in an island called Terceda, and our house... You know, I, I got to go back and they did this amazing bit where we had this little house and it had, I think, only one bedroom. Somehow 10 of us lived in there, 10 or 12 of us with one bedroom. And across the street was the beach, the ocean, a wall. You walk down to the beach and that's the view was the beach. It was normal to us. We lived on an island. Mm-hmm. It was 
And I'm like, okay, the beach is right there. And I was four years old. We left. We left to come to America to be able, for the land of opportunity, to work in, you know, my dad worked in a factory. Everybody's in factories. My sister, everybody worked their fucking fingers to the bone. We were on welfare. I remember coming home nights, uh, you know, after like being out with my friends or I used to fucking like play basketball at the boys club, whatever, come back. And I'd come in the house at night and be, be candlelit and shit. And I think, wow, this is really super cool. Like people using candles. I didn't know we didn't have electricity. We couldn't afford the electricity. We lost. It kept getting disconnected. We couldn't even afford it. So then I'm going, everybody's working their ass off, working their ass off. People are quitting high school to be able to work, to be able to pay the rent, to be able to do stuff, to be able to live the American dream, to make enough money, to finally retire and have a house on the beach at the ocean. Uh-huh. The irony, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. I was like, guys, wait. We were already there. Yeah. We were already there. Yeah, we didn't have money, but we were fucking paradise. The place is paradise. The is paradise. Now, I understand if you go back to 1971, when I came over, things were hard there. You know, not a lot of money there. There's not a lot of work, so you have to go somewhere to work. But think, think about the irony of, like, you go back and everybody's trying to get a fucking house there now. It's like, it's wild. But that's, yeah, and so... I don't know. We we never answer fucking questions. We go. You could have lived in Quincy, no, man. It's I mean, right it, on the water. Lived in Quincy. One of my loves of my life. from the first girlfriends was in Quincy. Dude, Dunkin' Donuts started in Quincy. So if that doesn't make everybody <laughs> happy, oh yeah. You want know listen? So I, I'm I'm walking one day. Like I, I got my car getting its oil change on Quirk right there in Quincy, right? And I walk into the Dunkin' Donuts and on the on the wall in a very nondescript sign, he's like, this is the site of the first Dunkin' Donuts in like 1952. And I'm like, and I first off, I thought to steal it. Like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, that'd be cool for my studio. But like, yeah, it's the first you know Dunkin' you Donuts. That? You know why you yeah, thought Yeah, because you're in Quincy. Because you're from fucking Worcester. That's <laughs> yeah, because you're from Worcester, dude. You, we take everything. If it ain't nailed down, we'll take it, bro. <laughs> By the way, you sure it's not like New York's original raisin? They put original Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. <laughs> bullshitting right. everybody. Dude, I swear to God, Corey's like Wikipedia. Uh, he's like Googling it right now. Like to fact check me, <laughs> Snopes. I don't care that much. <laughs> I'll believe you. So I don't know if I answered your question, but music, that's really where it came from. It was the family. It was the library. And it was everybody played a fucking instrument. Everybody. It was just like, and, but nobody really taught anybody. And you just picked up, picked the fucking thing up learn the fucking chords and let's go and like hit some drums and hit some stuff. And, you know, we always played in bands together, wedding bands. And then I had, and then the ultimate was the band with my brother, Louie and Robert, which were my heroes. They were both my heroes. We played guitar, rock, played bass. And we did a progressive rock band called Viking. And not many people know about it. And a lot of people don't know that Viking playing at 15 years old, 16 years old at the paradise on an afternoon show, opening up, for the dream. Oh, shit. Wow. Good I fucking wish I had it right here. I'd show you a ticket that somebody sent me from Ticketmaster with the dream, or I'm sorry, extreme, they changed extreme, Viking together. And just so you know, the irony, kids, to be really careful with karma and shit like that is that when I walked into the paradise with my brother Louie and we were looking for our dressing room, it was an afternoon all-ages show. It was sold out because of what uh, the dream was doing at the time. And we were from fucking Hudson, like a progressive rock band, like doing yes shit from the, honestly, time, crazy time signatures and shit from Hudson Mass. And my, my brother walk in and the, it said that the dressing was under construction. So 
bands have to share the main dress room. So we're like, great. We walk in with my guitar. I put it down. And in walks this fucking dude with like a snakeskin jacket. And he puts his guitar. He's got sunglasses. He wouldn't take them off. Mirror sunglasses. And he sits down. He puts his guitar and he goes, the fuck you doing in here? I'm like, I'm like fucking 16 years old. I'm like, uh, they said we have to share. The... Before I can even finish, he goes, nah, you got to get out. This is extreme. This is my fucking dress room. Get out. Okay. We used, me and my brother got out. We were kind, you know, Portuguese, you know, fucking quiet, like scared enough as it was being in this country. And we go and we used the, the, the coat room that nobody was using as a dress room. I remember leaving that night. I left while they started. I walked out. My keyboard player, Joe, Joe Bowers, Portuguese kid. We looked up. Let's see what these guys are about. I look up. I see this singer with spaghetti down his arm curly long hair he's fucking going and i realized oh fuck the guy that threw me out of the dress room was a guy named peter hunt the guitar player why is that significant because a year later two years later who do i replace in that band i meet gary he's doing a video shoot for mother don't want to go to school today the one that went on the mtv basement videotapes at a record deal a friend of mine at cambridge music complex where her says come to the shoot come shoot i'm like for those guys, fuck those guys. Fucking asshole that kicked me out of the fucking dressing room. Fuck them. Got me some wine. I ended up going. <laughs> so I'm actually in the video and my, my, my arms up jumping up and down while all the kids are running out of school. I'm one of the kids running out of school. Little, little side note. But I'm out in the field. I don't know where this fucking dude walks out to come and talk to me. It's Gary Sharon. Never met him. Comes out. He goes, hey, man, friend that brought me Jody, the girl said that you're a fucking badass guitar player. I'm like, I'm all right. I'm a shy as fuck. I didn't say a word, actually. I didn't even say that. I'm making shit up as I go. But I was like, yeah, great to meet you, asshole. The band that kicked us out of the fucking dress room. And he goes, man, you know, I'd love to hear you someday. Goes away. They win the MTV fucking Basement Tapes Awards. Another year goes by, whatever it is, what's happening. All of a sudden, I'm in a band called Sinful. All right? Out of fucking Milford, Mass. Portuguese singer, rock band, metal band. We're on the verge of getting a record deal. We go to see Extreme play, who's now X-Dream. I don't know if you know that's how they got the name. Extreme. Yep. I'm sure oh, yeah, Paul, no, because Paul sure trademarked Paul it. it. I'm sure Paul Gary didn't tell you the fact that he fucking sold out and sold the name and Gary didn't want it. No, he did, dude. He I, first off, like, I thought you were in on that. I wanted to ask story. you about that, but that makes sense because... Paul Geary is the only guy in like, what, 1984 that's like, hey, we have a band that does nothing. Let's get a trademark for it. And then John Stamos <laughs> makes the fucking pay. So because so everyone knows. Because Nuno story. knows this. Obviously, Nuno knows. But like so that everyone knows because this has been told to me from Paul Geary is that on, on the Extreme. Show. Yeah. Right. Is that, and you guys episode. should go back and watch the episode. But that Extreme is actually just means X. Dream well, because they dream. Booked it, they booked it as extreme, and they kept saying extreme, extreme. Right, and if you guys YouTube's it, you can find like this old crappy, but yet again, a guy that is diametrically the same as Nuno because John Stamos is ageless and beautiful for all time. So it makes it makes total sense that Jesse and the Rippers in his first show, The Dream or Dream or whatever, would be Nuno. So they have to be extreme. It was, I think, a Nostradamus-like thing for John Stamos to be you. Absolutely. Well, what to add to that, the fucking video is coming out. It's a big fucking video release party, right? So I don't know if I just like it's punishment or whatever it is. It's like I'm, I, I want to be closer to this fucking band who are assholes. So I went that <laughs> night. I went that, that night to the channel, the channel in Boston, and they were doing the video release party. Check this shit out. I'm out there. The place is fucking packed. I'm out there and I'm watching this band that I hate supposedly. 
<laughs> but I remember when I left, I remember my buddy said to me, he goes, when I, I, I forgot to tell you, when I left from the paradise that night, my keyboard, one of my close friends, I just spoke to him last week, my best friend, he was a keyboard player Viking, and he goes, you're going to be doing that one day. And I was like, what the fuck? Talk about fucking Nostradamus. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, never. Years go by. I'm at this fucking thing now. Jim Blue, does that ring a bell to anybody? You're all too fucking young. Jim Blue booked what was the metal night and celebrations on Wednesday nights, which was the fucking night to be at every Wednesday night at Kenmore Square, the rat across the street, metal night, and fucking dudes with long fucking hairspray fucking hair, all, all, all us going there. Then you got all the punks came out. And there was a dance club all going to Pizza Pad. This is like some shit out of Friends, a fucking Friends episode. But they all hey, I'm wearing a friend shirt. I'm wearing a friend there shirt right now. But honestly, dude, you guys are getting where fucking IHOP in and all that and all this shit ended with the gap. All used to be at fucking 2 a.m. Pizza fucking joint, big one, where all these cultures collided. There were fights every night. The punk rockers, the fucking glam rockers, and the fucking club, the fucking disco dudes, right? There was shit going on every night. There were fights and shit. The people were getting hurt. So where Jim Blue booked the Metal Knights, he booked all the band I was in, Sinful, all these bands. He was part of this. He created the scene that was hard, heavy metal and, 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 and stuff in Boston. The channel finishes. They do the video release party. I'm walking out the parking lot. Jim Blue says, go buy fucking celebrations downstairs. I'm closed, but let's go have a drink. I'm like, fuck that. I'm with, I'm, I'm like, ain't going. I get in my car. I'm driving. The exit, Alston fucking mass pike oh they changed yeah. them all Alston, by like Alston three exits yeah yeah, yeah. They, so at that time in Austin, where where where, where bun is used to be all that right so and i'm driving i'm driving i'm driving i'm looking i'm looking at it i missed the exit because i didn't want to go in i'm like fuck it it was two in the morning no traffic i slam on the brakes i back up this is insane i back up a fucking uh wasn't i wasn't on mass pike yet but whatever led you to fucking mass pike at that time which was two not 290 was it 290 90, 90, yeah. 90 sorry 90 i'm on I fucking say, fuck it. I show up at celebrations. I don't see anybody. I'm fucking banging on the fucking windows. He kindly comes open the door. He's there. And he's like, come on in. I'm just with a friend of mine. There's only one other person in there. Guess who this motherfucker was in there? I Chloe. only know because... Gary Schumann. What are the fucking odds that the only other person is Gary Schumann? He's in there because he's trying to manage them. I had no idea. But he didn't invite me to meet him or do anything. He probably invited a few people. At, at the channel. I fucking walk in. It's me and Gary and fucking Jim Blue. I'm like, all right, what's this asshole doing here? Like, I'm like, I, honestly, I was like, I was remembering the dressing room at the Paradise. I'm like, fuck this dude. We have a few drinks. We start talking and Jim Blue says out loud, he goes, hey guys, I'm doing a fucking Halloween night at Celebrations, but nobody can be in the same band. They, I want to get guys from different scenes to be a band that you all love together. So me and Gary talk about, I bring up fucking Queen, right? He's like, what did you just say? I said, Queen. He goes, you're not a fucking Queen fan. He goes, I'm the fucking Queen fan. He goes, fuck you, you're the Queen fan. I'm the fucking Queen fan. I go, <laughs> you know how I know? Because I'm going to fucking tell you the fucking album that should be the fucking best album that they ever had, whatever, and you're not going to fucking know it, and it's not your album. And I go, he goes, yeah. This is like literally out of the fuck. He goes, want to do it at the fucking same time? Okay, go ahead. We both said at the same time, Queen 2. Yes! March of the Black Queen! March of the Black Queen. Yeah, literally, literally, he said it. I'm like, bullshit. This is like stepbrother shit. Yeah, you, 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 you that's my favorite <laughs> album by them. 
Is it really? I didn't know that. It's my favorite. Dude, album. It never. First off, I think that song "Nevermore" he does it in the falsetto. Yeah, Nevermore, dude. You know how many times we Gary sing "Nevermore" at Soundcheck for fucking twenty years? Is that bottles. how you got that beautiful falsetto? Yeah. Like, I mean, because that's like for me. Like, if you guys ever want to hear what the most beautiful falsetto that a man can do, go listen to "Nevermore" off Queen too. And by the way, if you want to hear Queen's "Stairway to Heaven" and it's not Bohemian Rhapsody, go listen to "March of the Black Queen," yeah. which, by the way, goes into the songs before and after. Because why not? Because they're Queen and they're Prague. Yeah, and and the opening song of that Orga Battle of the Black Side because they didn't have an A or B side; they had the Black Side, White Side. But for me, the A side was the Black Side always, and people debate that. But when you open with Orga Battle and you hear that fucking riff come in, and the whole band is backwards, and then it changes into forwards somehow. They fucking do some shit with t- it's insane. But it's the heaviest with the fucking screams. And the- I used to sit there in my bedroom just like look at the album, read the lyrics, sing them. I knew them all by heart. To the point that I recited them all to Brian May one time in Japan at a gig. We sang the whole Black Side and he's like in a van on the way in traffic. We sang the whole Black Side to Brian May and he almost, he couldn't fucking believe it. He didn't know the lyrics. He was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I digress. But I'm in this fucking thing and he's talking about Queen Queen and we started, that was it. Jim Blute moved out of the way and we talked for the next two or three hours, me and Gary, about fucking Queen and Aerosmith and all this shit. And then, and, and, and then, you know, we talked about, we should do Aerosmith. Let's fucking do Aerosmith. Let's get this guy from that band, whatever, you know. I got Pat Badger. Pat Badger wasn't an extreme yet at the time. I got him. I know this bass player. We did Aerosmith as extreme before extreme was extreme. There's photos of it, of us dressed up as Aerosmith shit. I know I'm not giving anybody a chance. No, to that's, no, that's crazy, dude. Can, can, can I blow your mind about Ogre Battle? Can I tell you something? I don't think you know about you the song. It? As a, no, as a nerdy, <laughs> and it's close. As a nerdy, as a nerdy guy, do you know that Freddie Mercury came up with the riff on guitar himself and not did Brian May? Did not know that. See, wow. nerdy Queen fan to nerdy Queen fan, I pass that knowledge to you, I'm Mr. Embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I don't know that. No, dude, yeah. I swear to God, I didn't know that until like maybe six months ago when someone told me, and then I had to like Wikipedia it, and then it was like that happened. It's a great riff, insane. So riff. good, dude. But so we do it, and we meet that night, and Gary's in a band, and they're about to. They just fucking had like won the fucking MTV whatever contest and video and all the shit, and they're doing amazing. I'm in some band called fucking Sinful who's trying to get a record deal. Milford, Hudson, the other side of the tracks. Fucking, you know, the Worcester, Milford, that whole side, out the other side of the fucking 495. You head up there. Nobody knows those sick towns. But we're playing. We're doing this stuff. And then Gary says to me, he goes, we, we, we swap numbers. I fucking get home. This is when we had the fucking, you know, the fucking phone. Um, you know, back in the 1900s, the fucking big long cord and the phones <laughs> in the fucking landline. Back in the 1900s, the fucking phones there. Was there a oh. rotary one or did you oh, push the yeah. buttons? All, all rotary. Fucking fuck yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool. still on the rotary. We're Portuguese. We're still fucking on the rotary. So I grabbed the fucking thing. My mom says, this guy on the phone, Gally, Gary, whatever. She didn't even want to pronounce it. I get on the phone and this dude says, I'm, I'm like, I'm confused that he's calling me already. Like, Halloween is like, I don't know how far online. Calls me the next morning. He's like, Yo, man, and I don't want to get canceled because he did say, I'm not like fucking, you know, stalking you or trying to sleep with you or whatever it is, even though we all know he was. But at the end of the day, he was like, I don't know, man. I couldn't fucking sleep last night. We talked for hours. I want you to join my band. I was like, what? I go, two things. First of all, you're an extreme that's doing pretty well. I'm about to get rid of and how about this little fucking nugget? You never heard me play guitar before, you fucking idiot. You never heard me play. 
I said to him, you never heard me play. How can you want to be in a band with He goes, I already know. I don't need to fucking hear you play. He said, I don't need to hear you play. I go, you're fucking crazy. I could like suck. I could be like, you mean, I'm in a metal band. How do you know it's not fucking thrash metal or some shit? Like, and I, I don't know. I just don't even do solos or anything. I don't even know how to write a fucking song. He goes, so wait, who hey, won that battle? I feel like Gary was right on that one. That like maybe he, he knew more than you about you at that time. Well, I didn't know it was a battle. I didn't have to hear you play. All I needed to do was see you kind of look at me a little bit, and then I knew that you were the greatest. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, it was all the bands, all the stuff we did, and he was just like, I'm like, Gary, no. First of all, I said, no, I'm not joining your fucking band. First of all, you got two guitar players. I don't do two guitar player bands. I'm fucking greedy. <laughs> like, I'm an Eddie Van Halen. I love Aerosmith, but no, I'm not doing another fucking guitar player. And, and by the way, I'm fucking really excited about the band I'm in. And he went, he goes, okay, I understood. I get it, whatever. And I go, but anyways, I'm playing fucking celebrations next week on Wednesday. If you want to just come down and fucking check out the band, whatever. Yo, he fucking comes down. He sees the band. He brings down Paul Geary. And he said, Paul Geary said that at the time he saw him, he goes like, great. Thanks for bringing me down. The fucking kid's fucking great. Now what? Now we got to fucking what? But then, by the way, I hate to say this publicly, but the other two guitar players have no idea what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> they're down there scoping out another guitar player while they're in the bed. They're fucking somebody, trying to fuck somebody else while they're in a relationship with somebody else. Bad yeah. shit, bad fucking vibes. But right? that's what bands do, the upgrade, man. We're all upgraders. But, but, so then, I'm like, no. I'm, I, when I tell you guys, honest to God, my family, my kids, my mother, I'm like, I'm not joining this fucking band. And I'm in a great band and I'm going to do this. And I love my sinful dudes. And they know that Jeff Powell, one of my clubs, just with him three days ago, we talked about this shit. I don't know what happened. Gary comes down, sees the band. He comes into the dressing room. Fucking, this is weird shit. This is out-of-body out of fucking experience shit. I don't even know. Still to this day, I don't know how to fucking explain it. He comes into the dressing room, and I'm like kind of nervous that he's in the dressing room because I know he's that fucking, the girl that's trying to fucking pull me away. But I'm like, hey, everybody, you want to introduce him? Gary's in the band. Everybody's cool. Hey, what's up, dude? Whatever. And he says, he pulls me outside and he goes, man, I get it. Band's cool, man. You, you fucking. I wish. I wish I didn't see you play. I wish I didn't see you play. It's fucking torture. Like I'm like you're fucking great. And but but he shook my hand super sweet. Like Gary always says, he goes, man, good luck with everything. Fucking that's it. Rock and roll. Good luck. Fucking this. All the dude said to me. I walk back into my fucking dressing room, and I'm like a zombie, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I look at my band guys, and I'm looking at them talking, and I like go, hey, I quit. I didn't even know I was quitting while I was talking to Gary or even when I walked in that fucking room. The words came out of me and I was like, wait, 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 what? What did you just say? I quit the fucking band and I don't even know why. I have no idea till this day why I said it, what happened, and I quit the fucking band. And I'm like, and they were like, what? Big brawl. Big motherfucking brawl. I grabbed my guitar. They're yelling at me. The singers, you know, Portuguese on Portuguese. Get it. Fucking betrayed. Fuck you. What the fuck? And I'm trying to leave and he's yelling at me all the way out. My buddy Jeff, who's a bass player from Hudson, he's like, you know, you sh what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, we're about to get signed. And I'm walking out and they're yelling at me all the way. And by the way, they grabbed the guitar from me and took it from me because it was a guitar that the band paid for because I couldn't afford my own guitar. <laughs> so, so Gary mind fucked you into joining the band, essentially? I don't know what he, but honest to God, and, and I don't want to give him that much credit because he, he was completely being honest. He said, like, what the fuck? If anybody knows Celebrations, our sister used to be upstairs. It was underground. So I'm walking out, I'm like sweating, my heart is racing because I just quit a band that I've been putting years into, wrote tons of songs and the fucking solos were pretty, everything was like ready to go. I'm walking out like shaking and I'm like, what did I just do? What did I just do? Fucking like 
fucking sabotage is cranking through the speakers. I don't like all these metal shits going through. I'm walking out. I get to the bottom of the steps. This is where the movie part happens. I get to the bottom of the steps because this is already a half hour after Gary left. Bottom of the steps. Gary's at the top of the steps. The oh light my God, was like perfect. Like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Rain was coming down. <laughs> he's at the top of the steps. I look up at him. He's fucking talking. He's, of course, he's trying to pick up some chick at the top of the fucking steps, as, as he should. <laughs> and I'm downstairs, and he looks down at me, and, he's like, and I'm like, yo! He's like, fucking, I'm Stallone all of a sudden. I'm like, yo! And he goes, you know, he's like, what's up? And I'm talking to stairwells far. This shit is fucking far. It's like I can barely see it. And I go, what time's rehearsal tomorrow? Cut and see. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly how it happened. And he's like, what? I'm like, what time's rehearsal tomorrow? And he's like, for real? I'm like, let's do it. It was fucking insane. It was insane. And so then we literally, he goes the next day, fires both of his guitar players out of nowhere. These guys, Peter Hunt, the guy with the sunglasses, who fucking kicked me out of his dressing three years early, fired because of me. You don't think karma's fucking real? Think again. This shit is insane. <laughs> Shit is insane. We're from different 40 minutes an hour away from each other. First off, incorrect. It's Dharma. Dharma's what happens because of karma, and it's times three, and there's only two guitar players. So technically, <laughs> the math is wrong, and it's a wrong letter, but yeah, close. I don't want to equate this to somebody who ate no, people's I'm just fucking with you. But it's the same people on the way up as it is down. That dude was an asshole to you, and because you kicked ass, you kicked his ass out of the band by being better. Without Which, Gary even having to know because he sat with you at a bar and said, I could tour with this dude. So, this, so check this out, though. The fucking, I was going to say the cock thickens. It's not. It's the plot thickens. I was fucking, but anyways, listen the to me. Cock. I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to get canceled. I'm sorry. There's a woman in the room. It's, it's completely fine. Listen, I'm like, with I'm you guys all the time. She's like, I'm a in. It's fine. Yeah. I've got my second anyways, bottle already queued up. Me too. So. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. But, but my point being is, so I'm thinking he's like, literally, you want me to come back tomorrow? I fucking live an hour away. I don't even have a driver's license at this point. I'm a fucking punk kid. I get somebody to drive me. I go to Cambridge Music Company. I walk in. There's another guitar player there. They want to go with two guitar players. They get their fucking childhood friend who's amazing, this kid named Matt McKay. And they're like, we just want to see what's going on. So I'm like, I go with it. I roll with it. I'm like, great. We play a fucking song. They showed an original song. It was called America Cocaine. There's a demo of it somewhere still. And I'm like, the dude's like, hey, you want to take the solo? I'm like, this is why I hate being in two fucking guitar bands. I'm like, no, nah, man, you fucking do it. I'm like, you do it. You do everything. I'm just going to sit in here and be Joe Perry and be really quiet and fucking just play some rhythm and do whatever. So I'm fucking playing. I'm doing my thing. We play one song, one fucking song. They all leave the room and have a meeting with Matt. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely out of here. Like, they, fucking, they hate my fucking playing. And they come back in. Five minutes later, there's no Matt. And I'm like, uh, guys, what the fuck is going on? We played one fucking song. I'm like, what? You guys want to tell me what the fuck is? I'm a fucking like super shy Portuguese kid, fucking traumatic. I'm, I'm already broken as it is. Like, what is happening? He goes, well, why did you guys go out there? He goes, the guitar player wanted to meet with us out there. And he literally looked at them and he said, it's either him or me. That's it. <laughs> and, he thought, and he thought for sure. And I didn't even fucking play the solo. I didn't just play some fucking rhythm. I wasn't like, yeah, man, look at me and show bullshit. I was like, all right, let me just fucking play some rhythm. And they went like, and they came back. And I'm like, so you, you come in to tell me like, I got to go, right? It's not, it's him. He goes, no, we said it's him, not you. 
And he was a childhood fucking friend. This dude could fucking play. This dude was a songwriter player. So I'm not, I don't know what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you one rhythm song, one fucking thing here and there. Like this shit, when you talk about crazy destiny type stories and stuff that's going on. And then from that point on, me and Gary like got in a room and wrote fucking song after song after song. I slept on his couch mm-hmm. and fucking mauled in mass. And by the time we hit a fucking record deal, we had like fucking 25, 50 fucking songs. Crazy. You want to know what the synchronicity of this whole thing was? Is that you and I just did an interview for Guitar World magazine when I used to drive across the country with my parents. My mom actually took puffy paint and she would like draw the United States in like gold sparkly puffy paint and then draw the Goodman family vacation of all like the 32 states in six days or whatever. And my dad, to shut us up, figured out how to get a power inverter which plugs into your cigarette lighter so that he can then split it because he was an electrician to all the, the, the Walkman that we had. So that he could get us to shut the fuck up in the conversion van, which is basically just a, a rape van turned into like a semi go across the country van. I and I had, I had a porn and graffiti was one of like three things. I had classic Queen. I had Queen's greatest hits. And I think I had like Van Halen one. And then I had porn and graffiti. All so, right, I like you a little bro- bit more today. I'm liking and my brother, my brother and I would trade tapes. So I'd be like, dude, I listened to Headlong uh, a bunch of times. Like, I like that song, but I think I like this older Queen song. I'd be like, take this extreme take back. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that. T- you can have the Queen take. I'll take the extreme take. And then I was like, does Dweezil play the solo on this? And then I, I just project myself to now. Like they say, if you could be anywhere, any like if you asked me when I was 14, and I told you this story and you probably forgot it, but when I was trick-or-treating when I was 14, which is too old to be trick-or-treating, <laughs> right? I'm going around Wisdom, Massachusetts and this local bully, this guy, John Wolf, you know who you are, John Wolf, you're my friend now. He came, yeah, he came the fuck up to me and he was like ready to beat me up and take all my candy. But then he goes, you got one chance, kid. Who's the best guitarist of all time? And I said, Nuno Betancourt. And he let me go. I swear to God on my fucking <laughs> life. That's a real story. That's a, That's a true story. story. And I said to myself, one day I'll be in Guitar World with Nuno Betancourt court so you sitting with gary at the bar that's nothing dude talk to john wolf about asking me before he beat my ass for some hershey's well that's fine and, and i know you guys need to fucking talk and fucking get involved in this but since you brought up a fucking bully story i'm gonna one-up you with a fucking bully story it's a short one let's hear it Bobby, we used to be scared of we used to walk down macy when i live on macy you fucking hit you hit behind bushes you ran and maybe he was a nicer guy i don't know but i was always scared of him when he walked down one day we were walking down and as a Portuguese kid, you know, like, look, it, you know, I, I tell my black friends this and they're like, they tell me this story. And they're like, and I said, look, I, I can't compare to fucking growing up in Compton or growing up wherever you're doing. But being Portuguese at one time was not fucking cool, especially in Hudson Mass. Like you were like, you were like the fucking dirty fucking version of like you were invading our town. A lot of people coming from the Azores. It was like we were considered that minority that was like opening restaurants and taking over the fucking town and doing the Portuguese club and like. And, and, and sometimes the American kids weren't very kind to us if you were Portuguese, meaning like you walk down the street and if you didn't fucking cross the street, the bottom would like walk by you and spit in your fucking face like he did to me, like a full lungy <laughs> fucking Portuguese fuck, you know, whatever it is, like walk on the other side of the street, whatever. And I remember that shit. And then Extreme broke. Extreme breaks. We have a fucking hit song. You come back to Hudson for Thanksgiving as you always do. It's family, and there's only one fucking cool little bar called the Horseshoe. It's not the Horseshoe fucking pub. The wine is making me swear a lot more, but it's the Horseshoe pub. And and everybody, everybody, you know, on fucking Thanksgiving 
evening, nothing else is open. You go and you hang at the Horseshoe Pub and the whole town is there. Your high school friends, people that are, stop fucking slapping you, friend. But you're at the fucking Horseshoe Pub and I'm sitting there right after she's doing well and all this stuff. And I remember being at the bar and I was there with a bunch of friends. And I remember my brothers and I'm, I'm doing a profile for you. It's, it's like, this is how it happened. So I'm at the bar <laughs> and I'm like having a drink. And you know what it is? This is like McFly type shit. Like this yeah, is like yes. going back to me. I knew you were thinking that. And I was just like, and I hear the voice and I'm like, and I'm like, hey, Nuno, what's going on? And I hear the voice. I will swear to God, my hands start fucking shaking. I'm holding a beer and I'm like, it's fucking Bobby. I know it's fucking Bobby. I know that fucking voice. You don't forget that fucking voice. You ran from that voice your whole fucking childhood. And I turn around and I'm with all my family, my friends, and there he is. And he's now older and he's with his fucking, he's got kids, he's with his mom and dad. And he's like, and I'm like, Bobby. And he turns and says, I told you, man. I told you, man, me and Nuno go way back, man. We were fucking <laughs> friends, man. Fucking, I believe, I always knew he was going to be fucking famous. I always knew he was going to do this shit. Like, you know, I told you, man, we grew up together in the same fucking hood together. And he's telling me this shit. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, it's fucking by Like, I'm afraid he's going to hit me still. Like, I'm like, is he going to hit me or is he going to kiss me? Or is he gonna, I'm like, <laughs> so then I don't know what the fuck got into me. I don't know what got into me. <laughs> but at that point, it was like two in the morning. It was almost closing time. And I was like, yeah, man. And I'm like, I just start yapping like an idiot and it's with his family. And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, we absolutely, Bobby. Man, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, man. I, I, of course, he's right, man. You remember that time you walked by me in front of House House of Pizza and you, and you spat into my face? <laughs> Good for you. I was going to ask if you called him out. That's amazing. Yo, if that ain't part of the Back to the Future fucking shit, like fucking the movie continues, it's like, to tell your childhood bully... Finally, face him and fucking Biff, clean that car. Do you, do you know how many people like sit and fantasize about that Dream. moment? Fantasize that <laughs> fucking moment. Forget like having a record dealer, just that moment yeah. in life. <laughs> and I said that, and I was like, and I was like, great. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, anyways, man, good to see you. And he's yeah. like, like, he's like, and his family, like, yeah. Anyways, I go, yeah, what's up? I said, how did the family, everything else? But just forget fucking doing everything, all the accomplishments. The fact that I got to fucking say that face my bully and say that to him and finally get him back in front of his family was like, that was it. That was everything so in front of him. That's a That was everything. Man. Anyways, love you, Bobby, man. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just scared he's going to find me in LA. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm going to hand it off to Siobhan because she's way more demure than I am. No, I, w- I was just going to comment and say, I mean, I, I love, uh, I wanted to ask you about you know, you, you seem like someone that acts that you're very in tune with your intuition and you act based on your gut. You were talking about like, just like quitting the band. And is that something that you've always had? Or was that, you know, have you ever had any reservations about any decisions you've made? Because I, I really admire that. I feel like a lot of people talk themselves out of like taking a leap or doing something that's risky or, that's, you know, trusting their gut, you know? She's good. She's good. Thank you. You and me. Bullshit. All the three. <laughs> she's good. My point, the reason that brought up something you just tapped into something that fuck man. Like when I went back and we talk about like coming up in Boston, coming up as a band, I remember going like to the channel and, and going to the paradise and seeing bands and, and seeing bands that would be in the Cambridge music complex. Cambridge music complex was like two floors and it was fucking door after door. Rehearsal rooms with no insulation. And you'd hear like new man, these bands like new man that were coming out at the time and, and, and like talented fucking groups. And you'd be like, are we good enough? Like seriously, if Rick Berlin, Rick Berlin, the movie 
Rick Berlin was a legend in Boston. He rushed right down the hall. We used to go out and listen to the fucking songwriting and the lyrics, and we'd be like, who the fuck are we? What are we doing in here? We're a bunch of punks. We can't fucking write a song. We don't know. And, and I remember there's got to be 50, 60 bands in there all trying to do what, to live the dream, get to the fucking place, get to the promised land, get a record deal, fucking get a shot, just a shot. And being in Boston, it wasn't easy because there was no record companies in Boston. It was New York or LA, period. That was it. Even more so LA. And um, how the fuck do we get their attention? How do we get them to come see us? How do we get discovered? And those bands were putting out records and stuff, the same bands in the building. And I was like, are we talented enough? Are we, do we have the arrangements? Do we have the songs? These guys are writing hooks. You know, they're, they're fucking, they're older. They're, we're like 19 and 20. And I remember the, what you just said and really fucking like threw me back because I remember that's where I learned it wasn't just that. It was the want. It was how fucking bad you want it. And you know how I knew that there was a chance and why it felt right that we were going to surpass all these fucking bands in this place that might be better than us, better songs, more fucking seasoned? It's because at 10 a.m. when I woke up there on a road case, sleeping there with rats and everything fucking walking around, and I plugged in my guitar, I got up, and I walked down the hall, I didn't hear a fucking thing. I heard silence. Meaning what? Meaning that I was the only one sleeping on the fucking cases. I was the only one. I'm almost crying. Fuck, I'm fucking tearing up, man. This is insane. I've never talked about that. That was an amazing story. Wow. Keep going. I'm fucking tearing up, man. Holy shit. What am I, this fucking Oprah? Who are you, Oprah? What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> I like to take She's like the... <laughs> She's the velociraptor that comes behind you. I'm staring at you, but she comes up behind you and like just attacks you. No, but seriously, like I'm thinking about like, I didn't even, I have never really talked about this. I was thinking about how like, we used to have this joke where it's like, if you're going to go, you got to go all in and you're not going to eat. You're not fucking, I remember like, I would fucking like, seriously, there was a Burger King that used to walk to, it wasn't that close. You had to walk to in Cambridge and you sit there with your fucking changing your money. It was like you were poor and poor as me. Just like, I'm not going to work. This is it for me. I'm going to fucking do it 24-7. The job is going to distract from what I got to fucking do. But how do I fucking eat? Like literally. And we used to like fucking gather coins, change from home, from everywhere. Walk down fucking Burger King. And the day that this fucking deal came out, two burgers for 99 cents. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Two burgers for a buck, but no drink. No drink. Couldn't afford the drink. You got the water. Yeah, bub- the fucking, we call them bubblers, right? Am I wrong? Like fucking East Coast? Yeah, oh, bubblers, dude. The bubblers, the fucking bubblers. Like, speak to these water fuck. No, it's a fucking bubble. I'm like, what the fuck is a bubble? Like, fucking- <laughs> but anyways, two burgers. That was the meal for the day. That's it. Pennies show up, humiliated, fucking walk in. There's your pennies. There's your fucking company shit. And you get your burger. Meaning what? Meaning I realized that it was like, you can't do it halfway. You got to be all motherfucking in. You write as many songs because when we would send shop to a record company, we'd send our four song demo, whatever it was, they'd go, Great, we want to hear more. All right, motherfuckers, here's another four more. We need to hear more. All right, motherfuckers, here's another four more. We had fifty songs by the time we were shopping the shit. And the only way to do that was to sleep on a fucking couch, sleep on cases, do what you gotta do, and write all day and fucking starve. 
starving musician? Yeah, for fucking sure. And yeah, we do some gigs, but you know, we were fucking, those days, we paid to play. We'd give them a hundred bucks and give us a hundred bucks worth of tickets. If you guys sell these or give us, you give us a hundred bucks, we'll give you 200 bucks worth of tickets. You sell them all by hand, then you make a hundred bucks. That's how we did the living room. That's how we did fucking the paradise. That's how we did all that shit. So we could fucking pay, get you 99 cent burgers, right? Look <laughs> at your burgers for a buck. And, and so when you said that to me, now, does it guarantee you're going to get a record deal? No. There's a lot of great bands that deserved it just as much as we did. But you eat shit and breathe it, the chances are higher. Chances are higher. The songs might be better. The songs, you might have more songs. And honestly, when we got the deal with A&M, the guy said to us flat out, he fucking flew out to the paradise. We did a show. How fucking I The movie continues. I'm sorry. Where did we get signed? Where did we do the showcase? The paradise. paradise. The place where it began. Where Sark Gary for the first Which, time. By the got- way, we saw Siobhan at the paradise because she uh, came yeah, and played, played with there. Starset as a sh- as a violinist at the paradise. It's it all comes cool. back yeah, around. It's really cool to hear about it. Yeah. Where the karma started. The dressing you get yeah. kicked out of. All that shit. What? We're doing a fucking an all ages show there like we did where I fucking first time. And they had AM Records came out a couple of labels. AM was the only guy that came up upstairs. And um the and and I was just like, he came up and we were just getting undressed and we were fucking doing whatever we were doing. And we thought nobody's gonna fucking sign this fucking band anyways. And this dude comes up, his name is Brian Huttenhauer. Why is it important? Not only because he found us in a fucking pile of tapes. He was an intern at AM. What they did with him is his office was tiny and all they gave him was stacks and stacks of demos and cassettes. And you want to talk about the fucking universe? He said he was playing. He got our four song demo that we recorded at Normandy sound in Rhode Island had play with me on it. Big boys don't cry. Oh fuck. You know, you're old. Um, can't think of what the other two were, but he got it and he's playing it. The president of the label, thank the Lord to go to the toilet at that exact moment. Walked by the tape listening room, door was shut, he heard something, went back, opened the door, he goes, what is that? He goes, I don't know, it's this band from Boston called Extreme, he goes, put it on my desk. That simple. Doesn't have to take a shit, what happens? I'm working at fucking Burger King, 99 cent two, you know, I don't know, I don't know, right? That's the universe, right? Who knows? So then he sends him out, he says, they're doing a show, he said, he comes up in the dressing room and he says, um, he's a really shy guy. He's the one that tapped into Temple of the Dog, the Seattle scene, Pearl Jam, and put those guys together to the Temple of the Dog album with uh, Pearl Jam and uh, help me, Soundgarden. Chris, Gar- Chris Cornell. Signed Soundgarden, A&M as well. We were signed around the same time. And he comes up to a dressing room and we're like, what do you want, dude? He's like, um, I was told that if, you guys make it through the end of the show and you're not heavily in fucking sedated and drugs and pass out to the end of the show, then I'm allowed to tell you that we want to sign you to your A&M records. What did you just say? Literally, we were in the fucking dressing room. We thought he was fucking was like, bullshit. He goes, no, you have a record deal if you want it, but then we want to sign you. We're like, the fuck just happened? We were just like, we just did a show at the Paradise and was like, okay, we thought Columbia was there, three other labels were there, nobody came up, nobody fucking was interested. 
And then the, so we were just about to leave to the Azores to go play some fucking gig in the Azores for the first time, just for the summer. And while we were in the Azores, our attorney was, because a and made an offer, Columbia made an offer. It was a bidding war, three uh-huh. labels. We were like, what is that? What the fuck just happened? It was, it was fucking crazy. It, it, and uh, so we signed to A&M. And we signed to fucking A&M. And next thing you know, we're here. I'm looking right up. I, well, you guys to fucking see what I'm looking at. You, you know, you know the crazy thing is, I just saw Pat <laughs> Badger from and, and, here from my house. That's amazing, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to say that. No, like, I was just saying. I just saw Gary Sharon and Pat Badger, and 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 you know, I think Gary said he'd asked Paul, um, you know, Paul Geary, drummer and manager <laughs> extraordinaire, um, what he wanted to do with like the money if they got money. He goes, I, I want to buy my mom a house. And he looks at him completely earnestly and goes, how much is a house? And then like, they both said it again to each other. We all were just dying laughing because he's like, how much is a house? As, we're, as they were standing in Ernie Bach. It's funny because that was my answer as well. I said, I just want to get my mother a house. That's the only thing I was working on. So I just wanted to buy my mom a house. We lived in a four family house, fucking roaches and fucking welfare and no electricity. And I was like, so it's the first thing I, first check I got ever bought my mom a house in Hudson Mass on White Pond Road. That was That's it. amazing. Ever. Dude, you but, and Paul, you guys are the same type of, you're cut from the yeah, same cloth because you know, he, he's from Medford. He he's bought Medford. his mom a house. And you, and you know what? Me and Paul, what's interesting about me and Paul is we were probably the most alike and we were the most that fought the most. We were like, I'm talking like fucking fists out of shit at times. Like we play a fucking show at O'Shea's some fucking like, it's like the fucking Malden version of fucking friendlies, right? We're doing an afternoon show. Anywhere they let us play, we put up a fucking stage. We're doing an all ages <laughs> show and it's like, we get off thing, we're in the kitchen and we'd be like, we let the crowds fucking go like, yeah, one more. And we go out and do an encore. They fucking, we come out again, they want another one. And I'm like, what should we do? And Paul's like, you know what? They paid the ticket. It was $10.50. We did the encore. Show's over. And I'm like, no, it's not over. They want more. We're going to do another fucking song. And there was the business side of Paul. And we're like ready to fucking knock each other's fucking heads out. I swear to God. Uh-huh. But the funny thing about Paul is in the end, he ended up being after all the bullshit. And after the bullshit went with him like out and him leaving and us replacing him and all the shit. He ended up being in life the closest, like the mo- the one that we connected the most. When the chips were down and shit and I was struggling, he was the one that fucking helped me. When I was fucking after the band, and even now till this day, we help each other the most. Me and Gary got a great relationship, but it's just creative. It's it. You know, of course we're brothers and stuff. But the irony was, I never imagined me and Paul would ever afterwards have the relationship that we have now. Because we wanted to fucking kill each other. We wanted to literally fucking kill each other. And, you know, trying to record a fucking drum track in fucking Florida and trying to get Cupid's dead right. And I'm fucking editing fucking four takes and we're pasting fucking takes on the wall because we didn't have pro, we didn't have pro tools at the time. And we got, here's take number one and it's fucking taped on the wall. And here's take number two of the middle section. I'm like, where the fuck is Paul? He's on a yacht with fucking three hot chicks and a fucking program director and trying to get the fucking album fucking played up in fucking Key West somewhere. And I'm like, that's great, but I need a fucking drug track. I need to ask you about what he said to us. So he told he told me one day, and I'm I'm not sure if he said it on the he may have said it on the show, but that um you know he was like bartering some deal for Extreme, and he was like getting into the shirts, 
and he was like, you know, hey, we're not making enough gross margin or yeah, something. It was on the show. And, was, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, we're not making enough gross margin. The cogs, the cost of doing, we're doing our P&L here <laughs> at Extreme. And you like, can like pull them aside? And you're like, yo, bro, I think you do, you like, you like these deals like you like this hustle better than playing drums and it's like the, 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 and, but it's funny because i i just interviewed him talking about boston he goes you know what i've been um a manager actually at this point longer than i've been a drummer and wow. i'm like haven't you been a drummer this whole time but he, like, <laughs> he doesn't even consider himself a drummer now and i'm like well i mean if it walks like a duck you know but, well, you know, but it's that's funny, it's funny that you said that because i had to tell him that it's like I had to slap him across the face and be like, he was with, he was, uh, you know, this is a little while back when he was with Carrie, and I remember we were at a party somewhere, you know, and I love fucking, I'll fucking first tell Paul, Paul be the first one to say, love K-Fig. K-Fig is like fucking Paul on fucking steroids in a way, energetically and, and everything else, and, and but yet he's cut from the same cloth as Paul, you know, Bonham, pocket, fucking, you know, it's all about that part. But, you know, I had to tell Paul one day and slap him across the face, I'm like, Dude, you're the you you're the drummer from fucking extreme. You're the drummer of extreme. Period. No matter what, Kevin, Kevin's added a lot to what we're doing, and he fuck you know we've been doing stuff for a long time with Kevin and everything else. But Kevin would be the first to tell you that he fucking was grew up on extreme. Like you know, it was your drumming in, in the band, and he loved the band because the band was the band, and you you were the rhythm section of that band. You were the one that you know. I might have written every fucking part. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point being is that you know I might have demoed them all I was a drummer as well and I fucking sometimes do demos of art to do it on a fucking machine I'm like yo I think this is the groove for fucking get the phone whatever. but he, we, I did it knowing that's how you play I did it knowing composing drum parts for you because you were the, the fucking backbeat of the band and the minimalistic approach that the minimalist approach that you had towards the band is what made the band may be able to fucking play the riffs I play you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and that's, and so it was interesting, you know, we, it, it, but you know, when you're in a band, you break up because somebody opens the fucking shade the wrong way and the sun comes and blinds you and you break up because you're on tour fucking 24 hours. <laughs> you break up over stupid shit. Hold yeah. on, paint a picture for me because one of the things I give Paul complete credit for and you guys complete credit for because talk about the ballsiest move in the history of fucking music. And I say it, I straight up say it. So when Freddie Mercury passed Queen, pulled you guys aside you all you fucking people but you and they said we need somebody to carry the fucking torch and like i can understand if you're like us but you guys that so they gave you guys all a list they gave you all a list of all the songs that you could do and it's like metallica's gonna do this and elton john's gonna do that and blah 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 and you're like fuck it we're gonna do every one of these songs and back then you had to just change meter and time and feel together like a band just because you do it and like feel it together and you guys did this medley to queen fans to wembley stadium sold fucking out and people outside waiting and you did all these queen songs and dare i say as good as queen could have possibly done themselves with the, with the spirit of freddie mercury looking over you, know, you did in front of everyone i'm gonna humbly agree with you on that one <laughs> <laughs> the reason i say this is because you're right. When Brian reached out, I had just interviewed Brian. They, they were trying to do like a new kid interviews, like a hero thing. Like it was a guitar player magazine, which by the way, I was supposed to do with Eddie. I don't know if you know this, but I was supposed to do with Eddie. And we'll talk about that right after. But 
They're like, you're going to interview Brian May because we know you're a Queen fan. And I was like, what do you mean I'm going to interview Brian May? Nobody interviews Brian May. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So we're in a room and I'm waiting for Brian May to walk in. Supposed to be 45 minutes to an hour. We talked for four hours. Go wow. figure. Because I asked him all these questions about Queen 2 and about shit and all stuff that nobody's ever fucking asked him. Ever. They're all like, well, I'll be fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, what'd you guys do? Same yeah. old shit. He's like, he, I took him on a fucking journey that he never expected in a million fucking years. We talked, we became friends that day. And it was shortly after that that he said, you know, I, he hit me up and he was like, I can't imagine doing this. We had just flown to London. We were in London. We were at the, uh, we were playing a gig there. Hammersmith Odeon. And Brian came, thank you. And Brian came and he- Neil Sean. He, Neil Sean, he played Tie Your Mother Down With Us and he played songs. And he pulled us aside. He invited us to this place called uh, Groucho's, which is a, a, a kind of like a members only kind of like little, it's like a glorified fucking, like TGI Fridays, you know what I mean? For <laughs> members only. And, and we're sitting in there and he told us that night and Roger Taylor was there. And the whole band was there. Fuck, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking wine. I can't drink wine and talk about this shit. But he says to us, and he, he, he literally confides in us and he says, you know, after we're hanging for all, and he says, man, we, we just came from the hospital. And it was like probably the last time we saw Freddie. And he, he was talking about like, you know, Freddie has this wish about doing this foundation and he wants to do this concert and he wants it to be his, you know, Freddie Mercury. He, he wants to go out like that. He wants to do it for, you know, the fucking disease that killed him, you know, that, that took his life. And for everybody else, and, 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 uh, and he says, we, we're, we're thinking of doing this, you know, we're going to do this big concert and we want you guys to be a part of it. Like, Fuck, what? Like, wow, just wow. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, and he literally, what he said on stage that day when he introduced us, which is just beyond belief. Kind of, I never knew he would say that on stage and out us like that and say possibly the only band on this fucking planet to truly know what Queen and Freddie, who the fuck says that? Who the fuck says that about anybody and gives, you know, knowing that George Michael is there and Liza Minnelli's there and fucking all these fucking massive artists that like any pegs us is like, no, I know that these are the guys that fucking know. Thank you for checking out part one of our interview with Nuno Betancourt. Part two will be available on October 31st. As always, check out 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 36, featuring founding member of Extreme and current manager to acts like Godsmack and Johnny Depp, Paul Geary. Check it out. You know, did it take any time for you to, to really think about so. that move from, not you, Ben, to move from, you know, being a musician to being a manager? Were you already kind of immersed in the management side or was it just kind of like a gut feeling where you kind of knew that that was the direction you had to go in and then just take a leap? Well, I had been immersed in the management side, but I'd never managed a band outside of my own. So that was a big leap and I felt like... I wouldn't have been taken seriously as much if I was the drummer of extreme managing bands like. Whoa. 
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.